I didn't hear it. Thank you. Well, let uh, Christ be glorified and uh, experienced in uh, our lives. Happy New Year, everybody. It is uh, great to, to be uh, with you. And we're back to Ephesians after several weeks of celebrating uh, Christ's birth. And uh, I trust you had a great time, family and friends, celebrating the arrival uh, of our Savior. Now, had some uh, uh, events around here, one of which Stephen and Hannah Huggins. Again, maybe you've heard already, absolutely. Stephen Hannah, if you're joining us this morning, uh, uh, congratulations, and we are celebrating with you. But the arrival of uh, Daisy uh, Grace, and uh, daughter and mom, everybody's doing extraordinarily, extraordinarily well. Julie and I went out to New Hampshire to see our oldest daughter. She's in the left-hand corner there, Kirsten. Those are my grandsons, Deacon on my right and Colton on my left. And, and it was just over a year ago, we were out there at Thanksgiving, and we had tickets to go see the Celtics. I came down with COVID the day before. So didn't get there. Some of you know I'm a big hoops fan. So uh, again, I got to this, this arena. Well, it's a new arena, but they still call it Boston Garden with a parquet floor. Most of you don't care a lick about any of that. But, but for me, it was one of the, the fun things. Some of you guys understand what it's like. We get to spend about two weeks a year with Kirsten and her family. They usually come out here a week, and we get out there for a week. And uh, it's just a, a special time. So trust you guys had uh, uh, that kind of uh, uh, time as well. So we're going to talk about today the key. I've told you before, I love Ephesians. I think it's the most concise and yet simultaneously thorough description of the gospel in one book in the Bible. Thirty-odd years ago when I first went worked through it, I fell in love with this book. We're going to finish chapter 3 this morning. Chapter 3 is a prayer. It's my favorite prayer in the Bible. I just think it's beautiful. Sharia read it for us here, and we're going we're, we're gonna to work through it. I think there's a simple big idea, but it's written in one sentence. The sentence is fairly complicated and complex to build to a simple idea. You following me? And we're going to work through it this morning. Don't get lost in the complexity. The complexity there and the nuance is to help support and help us appreciate the significance of the big idea. But before we get there, we need to do a little review, I think, just to help us appreciate the essence of what we're going to be looking at today in Paul's prayer. Here's the big idea. God is doing a supernatural, life-transforming work in our lives. This letter is written to people who have already chosen Christ, realized their sin, realized his death and resurrection are the foundation of our new life. He's writing to believers. And if you're here today and you haven't yet decided whether or not you're treasuring Christ, I believe this text has application for you, will help you work through whether or not you want to follow him. But it wasn't written directly to you. 
It was written to those of us who have already chosen to treasure Christ. In chapter 1 through verse 10, here's the big idea of those verses. God is radically changing our individual lives in Jesus. Now, God's work began before creation and extends into eternity. He chose us to be adopted as his children before the world began. You talk about the beauty and the mystery there. God has lavished, I love that word, lavished, lavished, lavished his grace and love on us. And the essence of that, don't miss it, is we used to be dead. Spiritually, we were dead. We were a corpse. But because of Jesus, God has made us alive. And we will never be separated from him for all eternity. And Paul, he writes one long sentence at the beginning of this because the praise, the joy he's, he's experienced in thinking about this, which has been revealed to him, is just overwhelming him emotionally. And we get to chapter 2, verse 11, and he changes this up a little bit. And the second big idea in, chap in chapters 1 through 3 is this, is God is uniting all ethnicities in Jesus. We like people who are like us. We t oh, racial prejudice, ethnic superiority, the demeaning of others. It's been around since pretty much the beginning of time. It's ugly. But one of the things that happens in Christ is the differences that seem to mean so much to everybody else, they mean nothing to us in Christ. Because Jesus unites us. And what Paul's trying to help us understand is this is part of his plan. He's now in choosing those of us choosing those of us who are now Gentiles, who have faith in Christ, to be connected into this family that started back there with Abraham. And those from a Jewish background with genuine faith, we are now put together into one united family. And he designed this united family. The verse that brought me back to the pastor that I shared with you several weeks ago he makes the church the primary means of experience in displaying his grace and his glory and his love. Us! Crazy! Do we do it perfectly? No! That caused me to resign from the pastorate, that realization. What brought me back is this truth? We don't know do it perfectly, but it's his plan. This is it. He's given us this privilege. Ah, oh, that's who we are as a church family. Y'all know I love you. I love the church, the big C, and I love you because we are here to be the group that helps one another experience and then express this love in a world that's hurting. So we're to the big idea. Here's where it is. Lots of things as a church, you as individuals, I'm sure there are lots of things that you hope for in 2024. 
One of the big things right now is we're looking for somebody to succeed me in this role of lead pastor. We think that's a big deal. Find somebody who can continue in this role to promote this glory and love and grace of Christ. It's not the biggest thing. It's not the most important thing. A year from now, I'm not going to be here. But you will be. This church will be. Jesus will be. We're going to look at the most important thing for each of us as individuals and for us as a corporate body in 2024. that we keep growing in our experience of his limitless love. You want 2024 to be happier. You want 2024 to be more successful. Paul's got the answer. Wherever we are in our spiritual journey, we experience more of his love. That's the simple big idea of what we're about to pull apart. Now, are there layers to it? And you guys know, I'm going to walk us through what I consider fairly quickly, given the layers and the complexities of what is primarily one sentence. But don't miss the big idea. After all God has done, Paul has told us so far, here's what he says. The key to your being the church that God wants you to be, the disciple of Jesus that God desires we be, here is the primary key. Keep growing in your experience of his love. Father, I pray that you'll help me to do justice to what you inspired Paul to write in these words. I pray that uh, the truth that he's revealing that he got from you oh, will touch our minds and our hearts. I pray everyone that can hear me right now, for me and for them, oh, Father, Help us to experience more of your love. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let's start here. Let's make sure we understand we've already experienced it. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. Do you already love Christ? Yes. Have you already experienced his love? Yes. Here's my prayer. That you get more of it. Here's the key to the successful life. Here's the key to the successful church. 
growing in our experience of the love that we have already known. Now, as I grew up, my understanding of Christianity is you say a prayer, you say some words, you get your get out of hell free card, and then you just live however you want. I actually came to faith when I actually started reading the Bible and realizing when you come to faith in Christ, you start this journey with him that just keeps growing. Around here we call it ongoing spiritual transformation. And if we're not experiencing that, our conviction is then we probably don't have faith. Because this is about a journey. I want you to have more of what you've already experienced. So you go back to that time when you came to faith in Christ and you saw the reality of, of, of what it means. If it doesn't mean more today, if there's not more joy in that today than there was back then, I'd ask some serious questions as to why. We get it from God. We've spent nearly three chapters. Paul has talked about this. What God has done, is doing, and will do. Three chapters. We haven't been asked to do one thing. Uh, remember. He did tell us, remember how good God's been. We haven't been commanded to do one thing in nearly three chapters. And now this experience of God's love, he says, I want you to have more of it. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. He's talking, I think, about a, literary, a literal posture. Typical prayer back then was standing. Prayer denoted a little more humility, a little more sincerity, a little more passion from whom every family on, in heaven and earth is named. Now, I think this can be a tough phrase to really understand exactly what Paul's saying here. Now, here's one way, and this is the way I viewed it at the beginning of the week in the staff meeting, and there was some people that viewed it the second way that I'm going to give you. The way I viewed it is what he's saying here, from every family in heaven and on earth is named, just an allusion to God and his having created everybody. One way to take it. But last couple, three days, I've been reading through Ephesians, looking at the literary context, the way Paul writes it, and I go, man, it just doesn't seem that that's maybe the best way to see it. And so I was looking at this, and we had one person in our staff that actually held this position on, on Monday. I'm not going to tell you who it is. And this person, just let me say, they could have been right. Let's just leave it there. They could be right. It's a position now I hold as I look through this, and it's that second big idea, how God has put the Jews and the Gentiles all together into this family. Does that make sense? And I think there's another way to read this and another way it could be translated rather than every, and this is so I'm looking at it, I'm looking at the text, I did a little more research, and forgive me for those of you who don't have Greek, but this word which is translated every here is translated whole 
in chapter 2, verse 21. And Paul talks about how this uniting of the Gentiles and the Jews is built into a whole structure. Pasa is the word in Greek. It's the same word. So I now believe that that person who held this position on Monday may be right, and it's the position I'm leading leading towards now from the whole family in heaven on earth is named. In heaven, those believers who have already preceded those folks at the time the letter is written, and I think he's talking about all the Jews with genuine faith. This makes more sense to me in the context. So we can think about Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, all the Jews, Moses, those guys are now in heaven. And there's some of us here still on earth. And we're named. What are we named? Back to chapter 1, verse 4. He chose us to be adopted, to be children of God. Every human being has been created by God, but they're not all his children. Not in the sense Scripture describes the children of God. So, for this reason, I I, I bow my knees before the Father from whom the whole family that's been united, Jews who have faith, now with Gentiles who have faith, in heaven on earth has been named as children of this God who is our Father. That according to the riches of his glory, he's already talked about the unsearchable, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. That you would have this stuff that would come from him, the glory of God. One of the ways I experience that is every time I get on a plane. I don't ever get on a plane and fly over a snapshot of his creation with going, wow. And one of the things that almost always occurs to me is, how does the spirit make stuff? And so much stuff. So I'm flying to New Hampshire, and at the last part of the trip is at night, and I see all these lights. I'm like, how in the world does a spirit make stuff? I don't know, but it's more fascinating to me than a guy dunking a basketball. It's more fascinating to me than a guy driving a car around in a circle. He's got this limitless glory. And Paul's point again here is God's ability to answer these prayers, it ain't any problem. He's a loving father that cares for. Setting the background for our having confidence that this prayer he's making will be answered. And we desire it. Implied in this prayer is that there's nothing more important to us than experiencing the love of God. That we're actually convinced it's the best thing. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches, the unsearchable riches of his, the limitless riches he has of glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That there's a strength in the core, in the center of who we are, that no matter what the world brings to us, no matter what God allows to us, allows in our lives, there's a strength there 
There's a power here. Have we already experienced that to some degree? That's not rhetorical. Somebody say it out loud. Have we already experienced that? Yes! What's Paul's prayer? You want the key to your life in 2024? Get more of it. Experience it even more fully. So that Christ, and this is where it gets complicated layers, all going back to that big idea. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's not saying so that he can begin to dwell in your hearts through faith. He's saying that he will be there in a way that's more firm, more solid than what you're now enjoying. Is he already there? The answer is, yeah. Here's my prayer for you. As you go into 2024, that he's even there more fully. And what's the key? Faith, faith, faith. I pray that you'll grow in your faith is another way you could look at that. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Oh, God created us to be happy. And he gave us so many delights in this world. Food, sports, music, relationships, so many good things to be enjoyed. The key is this, to happiness, being loved. Being seen and known and valued by somebody who's important to us. Over my life, I've come to realize how good God has been to me in this way. 65 years old, I've never had a moment when I've wondered whether I was loved by the significant people in my life. Never a moment. My mom and dad weren't perfect, but they did a great job of helping me experience their love. 43 years ago, I married a woman. I have given her a ton of reasons to cause me to doubt. Given my shortcomings and frailties, mistakes, I have never for a second wondered whether or not the most important person to me right now loves me. Never for a second. Seems to me, having experiences with lots of you, that has helped me experience God's love. I know too many of you who the people that God put in your life didn't necessarily convey that as well to you. And it feels like to me, if we got that background where some of the most significant people in our life that we trusted to love us really didn't do that great a job, it feels like to me that often makes it harder to receive the Heavenly Father's love. I have a special burden for y'all. I have a special passion 
to pray for you that God would overcome some of these hurdles and barriers that feel to me like they've come from your not experiencing that from the people that should have displayed it and given it to you. How is our inner being strengthened? How does Christ dwell in our hearts a little more thoroughly? We just keep growing in our experience of how much he loves us. Everything else in life flows from there. That you have the mis- you have, may have the strength again, second time he's used that word, to comprehend with all the saints, all those who treasure Christ, who have chosen to follow Christ. And then I love this phrase. What is the breadth and the length, the height, the depth of God's love? Because there's no limit to it. Paul's saying, I pray that you'll have that security and confidence that comes from understanding much more significantly not how much your parents love you, your spouse loves you, your friends love you, but how much God loves you. To know the love of Christ. He's describing the essence of this in different ways. And I love the combination of the word know here, right? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. No, don't read in this bypasses knowledge. Some sort of experience of the heart that has nothing to do with the head. Don't look at it that way. He's just written three chapters trying to describe the love of God to us. Through the head, to the heart. But it transcends even the mind. Doesn't bypass, doesn't contradict. You guys hear me say, I never beat myself up. This is why. When my first daughter, Kirsten, you saw, was born, my first thought was, this is a miracle. People that believe there's not a God, she was living, if you'll allow me, in water. And now she's breathing. I had these affections for her that overflowed. Didn't make sense. And it occurred to me, maybe my parents love me this much. I think there's a realistic possibility, maybe not, given who I am, but. (laughs) And I went to God loves me even more than I love this kid. Starts here, moves here, but then it goes past even what comes in here. We just have this experience of being loved. 
that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Promise you, promise you, 2024 is going to bring challenges for you. It'll bring challenges for the church family, the way it works. The key to our success individually and collectively is experiencing more of his love. And part of the way God has designed that we experience more of his love is by allowing challenges in our life that keep reminding us that we're not in as much control as we think we are. Part of the way he helps us experience this. This is one of my favorite quotes. You've seen it from me before. We got so many good things in life. I have lots of desires for 2024. One is that we find a house up where we're going to be living. I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it. Lots of things that are all legitimate things to pray for. The question for me, though, is always, what's at the top of our list? What do we want most? I, for me and for you, want that we want to find more of the joy that comes with experiencing the love of Jesus more fully. We get distracted by all this stuff in the world that influences our joy. Don't let me diminish the challenges of financial challenges and health challenges. Don't let me diminish those. But notice in this prayer, he doesn't pray for one of those things. Have you noticed? They're not illegitimate. I'm praying for guidance as we start looking for this transition steps there. But this ain't the most important thing. If there lurks in most modern minds the notion that to desire our own good and earnestly to hope for the enjoyment of it is a bad thing, I submit that this notion has crept in from Kant and the Stoics and is no part of the Christian faith. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and staggering nature of the rewards uh, promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. God wants us to be happy. We just look at all this other stuff thinking it's going to provide more happiness than it ever will. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go making, uh, making mud pies in a slum because we cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. You guys want to know what the holiday at sea is? You want to know what it is? Fuller experience of his love. There's nothing like it. There's nothing that compares. There's nothing that makes this life more enjoyable than more fully experiencing the arms of God 
wrapped around us and holding us tight. We live convinced God wants to give us more. Picking it up now at verse 20, the very last couple of verses. Now we ask, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Now we can apply this in numerous ways. He can do more than we ask and think. I've heard it applied in all kinds of ways out there. He's going to help us build a new church building. He's going to help us do it. I think those are fair applications, but they're not the essence of what Paul's praying. In terms of us growing in our experience of his love, he can give us more than we can imagine right now is even possible. That's the context. You've experienced his love? There's more to it. It's richer and deeper than we've experienced right now. And this God with unsearchable riches, he wants to give it to us. According to the power at work within us, our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit present, who he's already asked, And then as he ends this, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. We got three chapters of God has changed us individually. He's put us in this beautiful community, not perfect, where we're growing in that relationship in this community and our lives in it are part of his plan for promoting his love. And then how does Paul end it? God, I ask that you would do more. We've not been commanded yet to do one thing. Amen. So may it be. So a quick recitation. Yeah, we're going to ask for it. Here's where I'm headed. Anybody surprised? Let's go back through quickly the implications. We exist to experience God's love. I would say we exist to be happy. This is how we get happy. That's why we're here individually, guys. It's why we're here as a church family. Our church family exists to be a community in which we experience God's love and express it. Any questions? They churches get asked to do a bunch of things, go a bunch of different directions. Here's why we exist. To experience God's love. That's it. That's our purpose. And our expression of God's love flows from our experience of it. For a good share of my early life, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to discipline myself to be more loving. Now don't hear me saying there's, uh, don't hear me removing intentionality. I look back, you know how well it worked to actually try and discipline myself to be more loving? Can, will you believe it just didn't? And what I lived with was a lot of guilt. Then I worked through Ephesians, 
some 30, 35 years ago for the first time. You've heard this. Hurt people hurt people. True. True, true, true. People who deliberately were, try to hurt others. Let me tell you, my heart always breaks for them. Now, if they're attacking and trying to hurt somebody I love, it takes me a while to get here <laughs> to feeling badly for them. My first natural response is to retaliate and try and hurt them. But when I deal with people that are hurting others, unmistakably my conviction is it flows from their having been hurt. Not necessarily by the person they're hurting. You with me? And I've never heard this. It's 4.30 the other morning. I'm old. I'm waking. I'm laying in bed. And it describes me. And I've never heard this. So maybe somebody else has said it. But loved people love people. I never heard it put in the positive. But that's the truth. Now, we haven't been told one thing to do in Ephesians yet. Three chapters of it's just God working in our lives. Come back next week. <laughs> chapters four, five, and six. We're going to talk about how people who are experiencing this, how they live. But that expression, where does it come from? Somebody out there, tell me. Where does our expression of love come from? Somebody? Our experience of love from Jesus. That's where it flows from. We want to be more loving in this next year. It's part of my hope for us in 2024. We want to be more loving. We're not going to try and help you discipline yourself to do that. We're committed to trying to help us all grow in our experience of his love. And God wants us to experience more of it. I hope, have you heard that from me yet? And the greatest joy in life is to be found in experiencing God's love. Whew. So, for tomorrow, ask God for a fuller experience of his love. Carve out some time. For me, it's first thing in the morning. God, make me happier. God, make me happier, and God, make me experience more of your love. For me, they're the same prayer. They are so inseparably linked that I can use either of those words and God knows I mean exactly the same thing. Ask for it. Ask for a greater desire of his love. We've got so many things we pray for. Again, examine your prayer life. What are the things you tend to ask God for? I think it's good to ask him for and I think he cares about all that stuff. Some of us need to begin by, Lord, I just need more of a desire for more of your love. Dealing with such pain and hurt, it's just hard for me to even imagine that. That Bible, let me summarize what God says in the Bible. You guys all ready? You maybe want to take out a pen or your phone and record all this. You guys ready? Bible, beginning to end. I love you. Comes in different dimensions from different angles. Maybe a reading plan for the year. They got some stuff. I've got one I've used for several years. Gives me two portions of the Old Testament every morning and two portions of the New. Gospels and, and epistles. What do you think the message is when I read all that? Now, you deal with some of the prophets, it's harder to see directly. <laughs> but it's there. What do I read? 
God saying to me, I love you. For the inspiration to hang with fellow experiences of his love. They're in any of us perfect, but the way God designed us is that we'd been encouraged through other people on their journey, and we would encourage them, wherever they are, no pretending. And ask God then to reveal how the fuller experience of his love gets expressed to others. Give us a picture. This is the prayer. How, Father, does your love feeling me go out to others? Just give me glimpses once in a while of how that's benefiting them. Will you, Father? I tell you, encourages, I was going to say heck, but can you say that in a sermon? Encourages the heck out of me, but I won't say that because it's a sermon. Encourages me deeply when people talk about how our interactions have helped their spiritual life. Ah, God is good. He loves us with an infinite, everlasting love. I love you all. 2024 is going to be a great year. Speaking on behalf of all the elders and the staff, we're grateful for the investment you make in this community of faith. Your lives, your finances, all that stuff. Thanks for being committed. We're looking forward. We're in that search. The elders are still gathering names. End of this month, we'll start sorting it out. That's where we are in the process. But this is going to be, I hope, the best year for each of us, the best year for 2024. And what will be the foundation? My hope is for every stinking one of us. We look back and go, got a little fuller understanding of God's love at the end of 2024. And as you begin 2025, my hope is this. You go, I'm greedy for even more of his love. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for being so good to us. Thanks for sending your son into this world. Thank you for inspiring Paul to write these words. This journey is filled with challenges, opportunities, all kinds of things. So many things that can divert our attention away from you. So many things that can tempt us to believe there's more joy in them than there actually is. I pray, though, that the foundation, whatever we're struggling with, that we would never, ever beat ourselves up. I pray that the driving force of all our lives, individually and as a community of faith, would be this growing experience and realization of how much you love us. Father, for me, for everyone here, oh, Father, in this year, I'm asking that you would do in each of our lives more than we can imagine. I'm praying we'd have an experience of love from you that we would look back on and go, oh, God, you are good. And you exceeded actually what I thought you would do. Motivate us to take the actions that we need to take. But I pray, Father, mostly that you through your spirit would baptize us. And you would fill us with your spirit, Father. That's my prayer for your ultimate glory and for the joy we're going to experience in knowing we are more loved by you. And for the benefit of those who are love that comes from you will leak into them and change their lives forever. Father, that's our prayer.